This is my commandment. That you love one another. Just as I love. Yeah, you. I'm, I'm speaking. It's on, sorry. Yeah, I can hear myself. I can hear myself. You, you would think that uh, the music people knew what we were preaching on today, right? In Philippians chapter 2. So how about we pray? Uh, we are in the book of Philippians today. And we uh, ask the Lord to, to lead us. Father, we come before you. And Lord, what a, what a humbling thought it is, Father God. This passage this morning, uh, it is a humbling passage uh, to acknowledge our Lord Jesus Christ uh, who came from heaven to earth. We pray, Father, that in the context um, that the Apostle Paul had in mind, we will have ears to hear and hearts to receive this wonderful truth of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that we will be transformed from within and become those servants as Christ Jesus was himself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just so perhaps for those who are visiting, we have been making our way through Philippians. Um, and the last time we were in Philippians, we looked at chapter 2, uh, verse uh, 1 to 4, and today we'll be looking at chapter 2, verse 5 to 8. But let me just give you a little bit of a, a background, perhaps to get our heads around this. The Apostle Paul, who loved this church so much, and they were in fellowship with him, he loved them, he founded the church, uh, he missed them, they were in partnership with him, with the gospel. He began by saying to them in chapter 1, verse 27, that they would live in a manner worthy of the gospel. In other words, Paul was calling them to live as citizens of heaven. And he explained to them what that was like, is to stand firm as soldiers, uh, to keep guard in your faith, and to be um, striving together as athletes, uh, keep on running the race and, and to run that race together. And the Apostle Paul then went on to say, be witnesses of Christ and be witnesses of Christ together. And then the Apostle Paul went on to say, for this has been granted to you, not only to believe for his name's sake, but to suffer for Jesus' sake. But God is so good. And through the, through the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul then penned, Chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, encouraging the believers that the believers were motivated by Christ. Because in Christ we find encouragement and we find love in Christ and we find that He is compassionate and affectionate. And the Apostle Paul says then, be of the same mind. Be united in chapter, in chapter 2, verse 2. Complete my joy. Maintain this love and be united in one purpose and do nothing out of selfish ambition and do nothing for empty conceit, vain glory. Do not look at just yourself. Don't just look at your own personal interest, but the interest of others. And so the Apostle Paul here is encouraging the church to say, stay focused. This is what I want you to do. This is what you ought to do. Here is your fuel, Jesus Christ. 
And now the Apostle Paul, he takes it further and he opens up the floodgates of heaven and he takes us before the throne of God to show to us what the example of true humility and unity ought to look like within the body of Christ. How to witness, how to stand firm, how to proclaim the gospel and how to die in Christ as we look at the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, This portion of scripture that we're going to read is like standing behind the holy of holies. We are going to be standing on holy ground. It is one of the most humbling, humbling verses in the Bible. And Paul reminds us that this great theology is not meant to be just theology. This great theology is meant to ignite the affections and the love and the joy for Jesus Christ that we will be more united and more on fire for Christ as we look at the example. Jesus Christ, our Lord. The title this morning for the sermon is Christ, the example of humility for church unity. As we will cover No points. We're just going to see the ascension of Jesus Christ, that we may learn to live in a manner worthy of the gospel, that we may learn what it means to be soldiers and what it means to be athletes and what it means to live selflessly and not selfishly as servants of Christ. So please read with me. And follow along from chapter 2, verse 5. The Apostle Paul begins by saying, After all that he has said, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself, taken on the form of a bondservant, and be made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so the Apostle Paul here begins by sharing with this church an attitude, the attitude of Christ. And there can be no biblical unity and no biblical love and service and and selfless lives and suffering for the gospel and proclamation of the gospel and anything that would bring a glory to the Lord Jesus Christ unless there is humility. As I've explained before, no one has ever entered and will ever enter the kingdom of God unless they are humbled first. Humility is that virtue that we must have. But we live in the world as much as people lived in the world back then. That what it tells you that you must excel in life. Humility is for the weak. Climb that corporate ladder. You know, aim for the sky. You want to be great. You reach for the top. You're going to have great blessings. But brothers and sisters and friends, the Christian life is completely the opposite. If you want to be great, if you want to be awesome, you become low. You become a servant. 
that Jesus himself, who voluntarily, sacrificially, and joyfully, he gave himself up. And the apostle Paul says, have this mind, have this mindset, have this attitude that was also in Christ Jesus. Have this attitude amongst yourselves. Don't be selfish. Uh, don't look for vainglory. Don't promote your own agendas. Look to Christ. Look at others. You want to be great? Uh, you want to be great, brothers and sisters? Well, let me tell you what Jesus says about greatness. He said, whoever wishes to become great among you, he shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all. Do you see already that picture of our Lord Jesus? And he says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's in Mark chapter 10, 43 to 45. Problem is that we see ourselves too high and too lifted up. I want, I need, I deserve, I expect, I am king. As I said last time, there's a reason I believe that we have iPads, iPhones, and I this and I that. It's all about us, right? But the attitude that we're meant to have is that of Christ. Well, what attitude did Jesus have? Let me give you just some stuff to think about. When Jesus at the supper, what did he do to his apostles? What did he do to the disciples? He laid aside his garments in chapter 13 of John, verse 3 to 5, and taking a towel, he girded himself and he poured the water into a basin and he began to wash the apostles' feet and to wipe them with the towel in which he was girded. Paul is saying, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. This is the attitude. This is the mind. This is what we're meant to have. It speaks to us. Our desire, our fleshly desires, if we are born again, is always to be served. What can I get out of church? What's the food going to be like today? Is the heater too hot? Is it too cold? It's always about us. But Christ loved the church, did he not? And he died for her. He loved the church and he died for her. Should we not love the church? Should we not love one another and serve one another with this kind of attitude that Jesus had? That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. And after Jesus then, he washed the disciples' feet. In, in John chapter 13, Jesus said, do you know what I've done to you? Do you know what I've done? Are you grasping this? Because you are calling me teacher and Lord. And you are right. I am teacher and Lord. But do you grasp what I've just done to you? I washed your feet. I've done the lowest thing that you can do on planet earth. It is to wash someone's feet. And what does Jesus say? You also ought to watch, wash, rather each other's feet. And the word ought is an obligation. 
and it is in the present active tense, which means you ought to continuously do this, not just once. And he said, Jesus continues in John chapter 13, I have given you an example so that you should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, Jesus said, a slave is no greater than his master, nor is the one who sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed in doing them. Have this attitude. Have this Christ-like attitude. Have this humble attitude. You want to be great, then you renounce yourself. Because that's what we're going to see Jesus do. This is just the attitude as, as set your mind on this. And Paul, this word here, attitude, it's an imperative. It's a command. We are commanded by God to set our minds on the things of God and to be like Christ. And it's a plural word. As you have heard over and over again, that means every single one of us are supposed to be doing this, supposed to have this attitude within the church. And Jesus was selfless in humility. He had a sacrificial mind of love, a selfless mind of servanthood. And Paul is saying, be selfless and see the need of others. Put others' need above yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And let me just tell you that Jesus' incarnation, it is the completeness of what it means to live a self-denial life. Giving yourself over as Jesus did is what we're meant to, to look at. And Scripture tells us we have the mind of Christ, do we not? And Jesus always did the will of the Father. He submitted to the Father. No matter what he did, he submitted to the Father, his will, his way, his desires. And as Christians, we are not meant to grow in pride. We're not meant to grow in selfishness and vainglory and self-exalting lives. We are meant to rather become humble and have Christ's attitude. And the Apostle Paul, then he continued. And he says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, although who was in the form of God. He was in the form of God. Jesus Christ. Now, Paul takes us up close and personal. And he gives us 3D glasses. And he says, now let's have a look at this Jesus that we're going to talk about. Let's have a look at this dissension of Christ. But let me quickly tell you, for those of you who study and understand some scriptures, and some scholars say that chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, um, was a hymn that was sung by believers of the ascension, uh, 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 dissension and the ascension of Christ, in which we can see that why they would sing that and why they would exalt Christ. And he came as a servant and then he was raised up as king and as Lord. We can understand that. And some say uh, someone else wrote it and 
there's a lot of stuff going on. You can read lots and lots of books in this. I believe uh, that scripture is inspired by God and it fit God, the Holy Spirit, to put this in here for us to understand because you can find these verses everywhere else. And so the Bible tells us no prophecy of scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. And the Word of God is God-breathed. So I just wanted to add that out for those of you who have studied and perhaps whatever this is, it is from God. And God wants us to know this for the purpose of understanding what kind of life God wants us to, to, to live. And so what Paul is saying here, this Jesus, before this Jesus was born in a manger as a baby, uh, before he took his first steps, before Jesus walked the streets of Galilee, before Jesus was teaching and being taught or did any miracles, this Jesus, he was in the form of God. He existed in the form of God. In fact, as Brother Wes explained this a few weeks back, the word there is existing. It's not existed as somehow he was existing. No, no, no. That means that Jesus always existed, he's in existing and always will exist as God. He's always been God. And there will never be a time where Jesus Christ will not stop, will stop being God, will not be God. And it says he is in the form of God. He's the manifestation of God. You see, Jesus came to show us the invisible God. But he was in the same essence, the same as God the Father is God. Jesus Christ is God. John 1.18, it says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God, who is from the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Who is this Jesus in Colossians 1.15? He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. I want you to grasp this, ladies and gentlemen. We are talking about the God of creation. Colossians says, for by him, that is Jesus, all things were created, both in heavens uh, and heavens and earth and visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things have been created through him, that is Jesus, and for him, and that's for Jesus. And he, that is Jesus, is before all things. And in him, Jesus, all things hold together. This Jesus is existing in the same form of God. That means that God the Father, he is eternal. Jesus is eternal. God the Father was glorious. Jesus is glorious. God the Father was holy. Jesus is holy. God the Father was unchanging. Jesus is unchanging. God the Father is omnipresent. Jesus is omnipresent. And God the Father is all-knowing. And so is Jesus. This is Christ. You want to know the face of humility? You look at the face of Christ who was in the form of God. And what did he do? Look at the verse in Philippians. He did not regard equality with God. I think to be grasped. He has all the attributes. All that God is, is in Christ. And it says that he didn't. He didn't 
He didn't think of a thing to be grasped. That means that Jesus refused, he renounced to hang on to some of those privileges. He, he didn't cling to them. He didn't exercise his full wrath, his full justice. Praise God for that, for that time. Even though he was in equality with God, he had the same things as God the Father. Jesus said, I'm hanging on. I, I won't put that to practice. The Apostle Paul tells us this Christ in chapter 9 of Romans, verse 5, is God blessed forever. It's crucial for us to understand this, by the way, that Jesus is God. Especially if you were going to preach to some friends of ours who come knocking on the door every now and then, the Jehovah's Witnesses, who they don't believe that Jesus is God. Well, here's what Jesus said. Therefore, I say to you that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. That's the original, by the way. And Jesus is claiming to be the very God of creation. And by adding to himself humanity, Jesus never stopped being God. This is just this week, my own son who goes to a Christian school, was told that Jesus was 50% man and 50% God. It's, it, do, it doesn't end. Jesus' divinity is always under attack, or is humanity. And this is at a Christian school. But Jesus chose to make himself of no reputation. He held his privileges aside. Why? So that he can fulfill the Father's will. You see, most times with us, we want to hang on to certain privileges and certain things that we have because our learning this morning is that we're meant to look at Jesus as the example. And if Jesus can lay aside some of his attributes, and not use them for a period, should we not lay aside whatever we think we deserve to hang on to and cling to? Because that's, that's our learning for today. That's, that's why the Apostle Paul put that in there. So we don't become selfish. And we don't serve ourselves, but the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul, he continues. And he says in verse 7, but he didn't hang on to these things. But guess what he did? He emptied himself. He didn't hang on to what was rightly his, but he emptied himself. Again, just let me just quickly say this. Emptying yourself does not mean you stop becoming who you are. A human being cannot empty himself of being human. Okay? God cannot empty himself of being human. But he emptied himself in what way? Well, he had all the glory. And for a period of time, it was covered. Jesus emptied himself of not exercising full authority for a period, for a time, to fulfill his Father's will. And he emptied himself of becoming poor. Well, what does that mean? Well, 
let me just give you some stuff to think about. Jesus was king. And he was crowned with glory. How did he empty himself? He was crowned with thorns. He spoke everything into existence and by the power of his own word, he upholds the universe. And this Jesus, how did he empty himself? He had to learn how to speak a language. The son of God who fills the heavens with his glory. He was clothed with rags and was born in a manger. He who created all things and living things and even the holy angels. He was tempted by the unholy one, the devil. He who provides all things, food and and drink or all necessary things for, for creatures big and small. Yet he became hungry. He was thirsty. He was weary. He who was worshipped. In heaven from eternity past, when the angels will sing to him, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He himself was mocked, whipped, and scorned. He is the life giver. And yet he emptied himself as a ransom for many. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we can become the righteousness of God. Jesus, whose eyes were were purer than any fine gold, any diamonds, or any rock that you can find that has somehow some value to it, or a thousand sons, he was subject to seeing the filth of humanity that was against him. He who is the expressed image of the face of God. He was slapped and he was spat upon. He was mocked and he was tortured by the hands of sinful men. He who swung the stars into space and the sun. He was hung on a cross naked, shamefully. He who had perfect fellowship, perfect harmony, perfect love, and perfect unity with the Father. On that cross, he felt forsaken. And he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know if that doesn't humble us to become more servants. Something is wrong with us. There is something wrong with us as believers if we are not moved by this God. Of course, Jesus from time to time, he did reveal his glory. He did put to practice some of his attributes. He forgave sins. He made the lame walk and the blind see. And some of the apostles, they saw his glory on the mountain transfiguration. But this Jesus, he emptied himself for a period of time. How low can we get? Do you know this Christ this morning? This Jesus. Oh, if you only know him for one minute, you will see the glory of God. One minute you spent 
at his feet and he will show you the heavens. And Jesus emptied himself. And then Paul continues and he says, he took on a form of a bondservant. Can you get any lower than that? Jesus became a slave. Bondservant, Thulos is slave. It means slave. Jesus, no one told Jesus to become a slave. No. He did it at his own free will. He was not obligated. I mean, some people are born into slavery, slavery, some are bought out of slavery, and some are sold into slavery. But Jesus chose to become a slave so that he may save people. Jesus was as much a slave as any other human being. He was made in the form of a slave, and he was in the form of a slave as much as he was in the form of God. Then a slave. He submits himself to the master and his desire, a slave's desire, is always to fulfill the master's will. And he has nothing in his hands, but all he gives to the master. And we read from our humble servant slave, Jesus, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. His focus was to serve. He says, I come not to be served, but to serve. A slave's life, it is to please the master and to find satisfaction in doing so. When the master was pleased and Jesus took on this form from the cradle to the cross, from the throne room of God to Calvary to fulfill the Father's will, and that brought Jesus Christ joy. And Paul is saying, have the same attitude have the same attitude and if you recall the apostle paul in the beginning of this letter says i am a slave of christ and he was rejoicing in being a slave as you recall he is in prison and he's rejoicing being in prison because people are hearing the gospel and being saved and Paul is calling these people to do likewise. Of course, we don't go out and die and people are saved like Jesus. But this is an example for us that we will look at Jesus, the God of creation, the king of glory, who became a slave and emptied himself to serve others. And we ought to do likewise. I'm just going to quote M. God's. Oma, our humble servant, favorite verse. Now, for those of you who do not know who she is, she can barely speak English. And she faithfully serves as a slave of Christ. But when you talk to her, she says, Luke 17.10. Do you know what Luke 17.10 says? It says, we are unworthy slaves, and all we have done is what we ought to do. So I thank the Lord for, you, for Omar, because that's what we are called to do. We are called to be slaves in whatever capacity and whatever giftedness God has given us. Amen? And so Paul continues, please follow along back in Philippians 
from chapter 2 verse 7 he says he emptied himself taken a form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men being found in the appearance of man jesus christ was man my son's teacher was wrong jesus was a hundred percent man and a hundred percent god he had a nature just like us he hungered not 50 percent. he hungered a hundred percent he thirsted. he slept jesus felt pain Jesus felt sorrow. He was made in every way like human, like we are, without a father, of course. This is the greatest and amazing mystery that we are talking about. Emmanuel, God amongst us, God in the flesh, Yahweh, walk in the streets of Galilee. I mean, you can pick whatever suburb you think is low. It's lower than that. Oh, I won't go there about the suburbs. I don't want to offend anybody. What suburbs? Brother Wes, I won't go there. Jesus was not an angel. He was not an angel. He created the angels. Jesus was not mystical or some crazy cults want you to believe. Jesus was in every way 100% man. In fact, Jesus was so much of a man that that was the reason why some of the scribes and Pharisees wanted to kill him. Why? The Jews answered him and said, For good works we do not stone you. But for blasphemy, because you being a man, you make yourself to be God. Jesus Christ in his verses, what he's showing us, although he was man and he had to be made in the likeness of man, because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Uh, Paul tells us that Jesus came, his own son, in likeness of sinful flesh as an offering of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And Jesus had to be made in the likeness of man. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 says, says therefore he had to be made in, his, in, the, uh, in the likeness of his brethren in all things so that he may become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And in every way, Jesus grew up. He was a carpenter as a man, worked as a man. He learned, he slept, he did all things. A man, and Paul then continues, but he tells us that this man, this humble man, did something. He humbled himself. He made himself low. This is the complete opposite of what we read in verse 3 and 4. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. Remember, Paul is given Jesus as an example for us. And he humbled himself. He says, do not look at your own personal interests, but the interest of others. Jesus had the interest of others in mind when he humbled himself. As we looked at last time in pride and humility, I mean, these are two opposites back in them days to a point that some scholars say the word humility was penned by the Apostle Paul because the Greeks had no such word. And Paul was pointing to Christ when he said that about humility. From heaven, 
to earth, from his birth to the cross, Jesus becomes humble. This is a dissension. Born in a humble stable. He grew up in a humble place. As a humble man, he subjected to his parents. He worked as a carpenter, lived among people, washed people's feet. Not only was Jesus emptying himself of humiliation, but he humbled himself. This is a humbling thought. He lowered himself to the yoke of slavery. Pontius Pilate, as we've been following Mark, mocked Jesus by saying, are you the king of the Jews? The Jews didn't want the king of the Jews. And unbelievers don't want the king of the Jews. I'm here to tell you, for those of you who've been bought with the precious blood of Christ, behold your king, the servant king. This is Christ. And Paul says to look to him. In his humility, Jesus was loving. In his humility, he was caring. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. Jesus, in his humility, he was so willing and ready to serve and prepare to die. He humbled himself to the Father's will. That's humility. Remember that Jesus at any time, he could have called to the Father and sent him a couple of thousand angels just to stop whatever's going on. But he didn't. He didn't do that. He lowered himself. And we continue. And it says, by becoming obedient to the point of death. Hebrews 5.8 tells us that the Son of God, He learned obedience from suffering things. He suffered. Did you get that? The Son of God, in His suffering, learned obedience. He was not exempt from suffering nor death. In fact, He was called for that. And he obeyed unto death. How low can you get? He was not a sinner. He didn't deserve to die. And yet he was willing to obey his father. This perfect submission to God the Father brought about the perfect redemption of God's people. Have this mindset. Have this attitude in yourselves, Paul is saying. Not that you will die for to redeem people, but like Jesus, you will be willing to lay down your life for the brethren. This Jesus, Paul continues, says, even death on the cross. There was no such, there is no greater death that you could die on but the cross but many people will say well so many people died on the cross so what well whoever died on the cross in them days they did not bear the wrath of god 
Whoever died on the cross that day was not the Son of God in the flesh. Whoever died on the cross did not bear the righteous and justice anger of God upon themselves, but Jesus. Because the Bible tells us that it pleased the Father to crush Him so that we may have life. And the Scripture tells us that cursed is every man who hangs on a tree, but our Jesus, our King, He hung on that tree that we may be set free and we don't have to go to hell and suffer the consequences of our own sin. This mystery of the incarnation of Christ, the Apostle Paul is saying he's come from heaven to earth. Look to him, brothers and sisters, and learn from him and do what he did and live the life that he lived. But I must first ask, is this Jesus your Jesus? Is this Jesus just in your mind? And as if you heard week in, even in the prayer that Brother John did, week out, you hear this message, Jesus is Lord, whether you believe it or not. Come to Him and drink from the well of life that He will give you eternal life. Is He your King? Is Jesus your Lord this morning? Trust Him. Trust Him in what He promises. He says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And the most famous verse in in the whole Bible is John 3.16. And here's what God promises in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but maybe be saved. Or maybe give Him a little bit of eternal life. No, it doesn't say that. It says that those who will trust Him, that will have eternal life, and no one will take that away from you. So come to Christ. Don't play the hypocrite because you don't know when your day will be ending. God can take your life at any time as I speak right now. And you'll have no time of repentance. There will be no time in hell for you to think about anything but the message that the message that you heard over and over again to repent and believe in Jesus Christ alone for your souls. For for those of us who are born of God, how do we apply this? Jesus, who is God, he held back wrath, justice. And his own anger towards sinful men. How do we apply this? Love your brother. Show him mercy. Even when he's a hard case. You know? Even when he's a hard case. Or a crazy one. Show him mercy. And love him or her like Christ. Jesus revealed to us Christ, God Almighty in Him. We are meant to be revealing the Christ who lives in us, right? I mean, Paul is saying, have this attitude, have this mindset. But sometimes there are things in our lives, perhaps privileges, that we want to hang on to. 
Sometimes it can be your children who will stop you from serving the brethren and loving the brethren the way you ought, or your husband, or your job, or your car. You fill in the blanks. But Jesus let go of these privileges so that he can become the servant king. We've got to learn, brothers and sisters, that whatever blessings we have, it comes from the Father of lights. Are we willing to let go even of those blessings to love the church of Jesus Christ? And Jesus revealed obedience to the point of death, even death on the cross. He washes the apostles' feet. I don't mean for you to go and take people's shoes off right now and wash their feet, but serve them as a lowly servant, as Jesus Christ did. Jesus said this, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I love you. And greater love, no one has than this, that one will lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. But let me leave you with some thoughts perhaps. How do we cultivate this? How do we achieve this? Study the word of God. Study the person of Christ. In fact, as we are studying the person of Christ on Tuesday nights, then meditate on what you are studying. Please don't let it be just a thought in your mind, some theological stuff that you learned. You know, Jesus, man, and the hypostatic union, and all these whoa, wonderful Christian words. Live the Christian life from those words. Have this attitude. Meditate. Pray. And pray that God will break you personally in your pride and selfishness. Because it's very easy for me to pray for this guy because I see he's selfish. And I see her selfish. And I see him selfish. And I say, Lord, please pray. I pray that they will stop being selfish and serve me. But we ought to pray that God will do a work in us personally, that we may become like Christ, fellowship together, and think and talk about heavenly things when you fellowship. It's all nice to talk about pool tables and, and soccer and table tennis. It's okay. It's not sinful, but it's not edifying. Speak of the things of God. Ask, you know, questions like, I don't know, what's God been teaching you, brother? I love that question because, man, I want to share with you my struggles, my triumphs, and my, tr my troubles, and my, tr my triumphs, and, and, and all that comes with it. Serve one another and worship the Lord, whether you're with the church or without the church. Put psalms on put hymns on when you're at home if you're at work and your boss is annoying you sing a song to yourself and and be reminded of this very truth that we just covered this is your servant king if he is your servant king then let us mimic him the apostle paul said mimic me because i mimic 
Christ. Amen. Father, we come before you, Lord. We thank you for your word, for your word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We pray, Father, that your word fell on good ground and good soil, that you will bring forth, Lord God, fruit, some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. Oh, Lord, that this little humble church will be known for a people who love Christ, live Christ, and speak Christ. Father, I pray for those who have not yet known this servant king, this amazing God who will stoop down so low, that you give them no rest until their knees are bowed on this side of eternity to Christ Jesus our Lord. There is no other name in heaven and under the earth and on earth by which man must be saved, and that is the name Jesus Christ. In his name we pray.